The following message entitled, The Mighty Power of the Word of God, Part 4 of the series, God Has Spoken, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 28th of September, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace Church. Thanks for coming, especially if this is your first Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Really grateful to have you here. Well, we are also... uh, uh, Kevin Hartnett, who did the presentation on uh, Friday night for us, is here with his wife, Maureen. So I just want to thank you again, Kevin. Where are you? Are you still here? He was here. (laughs) That was an incredible presentation. The heavens declare the glory of God. If you weren't able to make it, uh, there's Kevin. Hey, thanks again for the outstanding job the other night. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Kevin is a NASA scientist who works with the Hubble telescope, and he did a presentation showing Hubble images, and uh, my brain was just fried at the end of the thing, just completely... I believe one of the illustrations was if the sun, if our sun were the size of a softball, and Kevin, you tell me if I got this wrong, size of a softball, the nearest sun to our sun would be a softball-sized sun in Los Angeles. Is that right? The the nearest, if our sun... What's that? The nearest star. Thank you. The nearest star. Yeah, I I auditioned for NASA and I didn't make it. (laughs) The nearest star to our sun, which is a star which is really essentially a ball of gas, right? Yeah, right, right now I'm essentially a ball of gas. After. But really, it was so cool to hear those illustrations and see those photos. So, All right, this morning we're in a series on the Word of God. This morning's message is titled, God Has Spoken, The Mighty Power of the Word of God. The mighty power of the Word of God. Men have spoken words. Men have spoken words. Women have spoken words that have changed history at times and galvanized nations both for good and evil. At times, men's words have given people courage. Words like, Franklin D. Roosevelt in his first inaugural address in 1933 when our country was in the midst of the Great Depression, he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And Winston Churchill's famous speech at Harrow School in 1941, never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Words like that stirred nations, stirred Britain to stand against the onslaught of Germany at the time. 
And men's words have also stirred people to do evil. For example, Hitler's words stirred Germany at the time. But as powerful as the words of men are, there is a word that is infinitely more powerful. The word of the One who spoke, as we heard Friday night, who spoke the universe into existence and sustains all things by His powerful Word, as it says in Hebrews. By the, by the Word of God, He sustains the entire universe. The Word of God. The Scriptures. The Bible. Is infinitely powerful. And we have access to it. I think the Word of God is infinitely powerful and so often we just let it sit there on the table by the couch and don't pick it up. can go days and weeks without it. The most powerful, life-changing Word. Power that... This, this Word has the power to change destinies. Our own destiny and the destinies of our children, loved ones, changed my destiny. Power that can change our lives. And so Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you know any other word that is living and active? Now, I'm a sucker for self-improvement books. Christy will tell you I've read lots of self-improvement books in my life they haven't helped that much, but I somehow I like them. I have read so many. I've read self-improvement books on goal setting, planning, organizing, books with titles like Getting Things Done, Eat That Frog, The Power of Habit, The Learning Mind, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and The Now Habit. And I haven't read this one. I have it, and I hope to read it someday because it sounds like something I really should know. How to Drive a Tank, and Other Everyday Tips for the Modern Gentleman. I, I think I need that book. I never know when I'm going to need to drive a tank. And you may not know this. Many of you know Phil Kim. He was a member of our church for many years. He actually just wrote a book and published it. This is I'm not making this up. He wrote a self-improvement book, which I bought, and I'm, I started to read it, and the title is called Chase One Rabbit. And I think, I hear that title, and I, immediately the sucker that I am for self-improvement books, I say, yeah, that's what I need to do. I, that's what I'm missing in my life. I need to just chase one rabbit. Not ten rabbits. Not five rabbits. That's my whole problem in life. I'm chasing too many rabbits. So I have this self-improvement book, and I think, now I'm finally going to start to get organized. Well, these books I've read have helped me some. I've got to admit, I think I'm a little more organized than I was 30 years ago. 
little bit better at planning and getting things done. Joe Ryer might disagree. But uh, of all the self-help books in the world can't make the claim the Bible makes. To be living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, the words, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The flesh, the flesh is no help at all. The flesh is the human nature, mind apart from God. Human philosophy, human wisdom is no help at all spiritually. But Jesus' words, the Bible, are spirit and life. So this morning, this is part four of this series we're doing on the Bible that God has spoken We've hit so far on the inspiration and authority of Scripture. We talked about the sufficiency of Scripture. Last week, the necessity of Scripture. And today, we're going to talk about the power of Scripture. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that the God of the universe would speak His powerful Word to us and give us Your powerful Word to affect and change our lives and shape our destinies. Thank You that You would give this to us. Almighty God, Lord, would You please help me and help us open the eyes of our hearts and would You pour out faith into us this morning of how powerful Your Word is so that we would take advantage of this wonderful gift And that we would have faith as we share Your Word with others that will have a powerful effect in their lives. Thank You, Lord. Jesus, we ask in Your name. Amen. Scripture is filled with the unimaginable power of God. Scripture is filled with God's power. And I want to focus on three aspects of that power this morning. The power to save, the power to transform, and the power to conquer. So first of all, let's look at the power to save. And we've read this Scripture already, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Before Jesus saved me, someone said, Mark, get a Bible and read it every day. Just for a little bit. Just for a short time. If all you can do is 15 minutes a day, just start doing that. And so I did. And as I did, this living, active Word, sharper than any two-edged sword, began to pierce me to the heart. It cut me in a good way that led me to salvation. Initially, it pierced, the way it pierced me was to convict me of sin. At the time, I was regularly daily getting drunk, but yet somehow in the morning through my bloodshot eyes, I read in Galatians 5.21 that those who practiced drunkenness and other sinful habits that said will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it pierced me to the heart. 
And then as I was, as I was going on and, and Jesus was drawing me to Himself, uh, someone asked me to come to a Bible study. And the man preached the Word of God about Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And he read Hebrews 12.17, the Word of God that says, For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, Esau, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And the preacher explained the Word of God that Esau wanted the blessing of his birthright that he had forsaken. He was crying because he didn't get the blessing. But even though he was crying, he didn't repent or change his mind about his sin. And this man warned us that if we willfully go on in sin, willfully rejecting God, willfully practicing sin, we can get to the place Esau was and be unable to repent. And God's Word that night, I can remember, it pierced my heart to the division of soul and spirit, I felt. And I, I was convicted again of the sin I was living in. And I, that night, when that man prayed at the end, I, I prayed and I made a decision that night by God's grace. God helped me. God gave me the ability to, to make this decision to turn away from my sins so that I would not wind up like Esau. But it was the Word of God that pierced my heart. It has the power to save. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. If, you, if you're here this morning and you have never called upon Jesus Christ, if you have never turned to Jesus Christ, this Word about Jesus Christ can change your life. The Gospel is the good news. The good news of all that God has done for us in Jesus. It's the good news. It's the power of God for salvation. When we believe the good news of Jesus Christ, when we say, Jesus, I believe what this Word says, that You are God who became man, who lived a sinless life, and then bore my sins on the cross in my place. You became my substitute. And You took my punishment. And then You died for those sins. And You rose from the dead. When we cry out, as the Bible says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation comes into our lives. The power of God comes into our lives. See, salvation is, salvation is not about us just making a decision to change and improve ourselves. We are saved when the power of God and the Gospel comes into our lives. And God gives us new life from the dead. And so 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross... or the teaching of the cross, or the Word of God about what Jesus did on the cross, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, here's what's so good about this. Here's what's, here's what's so good about this for us. 
We don't have to manipulate people or pressure them to try to get them to be saved. I can remember being at different meetings where the evangelist or whoever it was pressured people to be saved and they came up to the front in an altar call out of pressure and fear. But we don't have to do that. We, don't, we can urge people to believe this, but what we want to do is share the good news of Jesus Christ. Share it with people. We don't have to try to convict them. The Word of God will convict them. We can't make anyone be born again. Did you know that? Moms and dads, you can't cause your children to be born again. But I would urge you to faithfully share the Gospel with your children. Share the Bible with your children. Have devotions as you're able to do that with your families. As, as flawed as you may feel you are, as weak as you feel, the power is not with you, it's the Word of God. Believe me, when my, when my kids were little, they will tell you, when we would have our family devotions in the morning, they would be falling asleep. I would be saying, Stephen, wake up! Open your eyes, we're reading the Bible here. I've told you this story about one time, I'm having our family devotions, and I'm trying to read the Bible, and our dog Bella comes into the middle of the room and begins to position herself as if she's going to do something. And I wind up, I just, Bella, no, and I threw my Bible at her. (laughs) Our family devotions were hardly anything slick. (laughs) But I am so glad that the power of salvation was not with me and my great presentation, because they weren't very great. But the power is in the Word of God. And so, if you have opportunity to share the Gospel with people at work, if you have the opportunity to share at school or whatever, don't be discouraged if people don't initially respond. And when, when someone first started to tell me about Jesus, I didn't say, oh, tell me more about this. I was like, yeah, go to church. I know all that stuff. But as people shared the Word of God, as they heard the Word of God, it wasn't the great presentation. It was the power in the Word. See, the, 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 the Word of God imparts faith. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. And so that's why It's so important for us to share the Word as we're able to with our family members and friends and especially our children, grandchildren, whatever. Share. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing. Spiritual hearing comes through the Word of Christ. And so as people hear the Word, God opens their ears and gives them faith. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. The Word of God is compared to a seed. It's not a, a perishable seed, obviously, like a, a, an earthly acorn or 
pumpkin seed that could, could eventually rot or whatever. It is, but the Word of God is a seed that doesn't perish. And as we sow that Word of God into our children, it, they may not look like much is happening. It may be years. The, the timing of that seed blooming and, and coming forth and resulting in eternal life, that's up to God. So, so parents, if, you, if you've shared the Word of God with your children, or, or if you have shared the Word, IUP students, you've shared the Word of God with your, your roommates or your, your classmates, and they haven't responded, but you've, you've gotten to share the Word of God with them, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged if nothing seems to be happening because it is a seed. You never know. Five years from now, you might get a call from your roommate and say, you know what? Sorry I gave you such a hard time when you shared the, the Gospel with me, but guess what? I'm saved now. That thing you shared with me that night in our dorm room, that, that stuck with me. And you may think, man, I sure wouldn't have known it by your face. Word of God is a seed. It's not a, it's not a perishable seed. It's the living and abiding Word of God. So, don't worry if you don't see results right away. But the Word of God is powerful to save. It also has the power to transform sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit. It discerns our thoughts and intentions. It transforms us. Not only did God's Word pierce my heart before I was a Christian, but as I read His Word to this day, it's still living and active and transforming in my life. And still pierces me. It still convicts me. It still encourages me to love others and serve others. Maybe it's not at the very moment I read it. You know, I, I, I gotta admit, like, my morning devotions, if you were to observe me, they're not, they're not that exciting looking. I'm not reading the word going, yes! Oh! Oh, I never saw that before! Thank you, Lord! I'm, I'm like drinking my coffee. Oh. Where was I? Oh, here I am. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to take the Word of God in, though, on a regular basis. And I don't always feel fireworks going off in the morning as I'm reading the Word of God or as I'm listening to it at times. But it'll come back to me later. It'll come back to me throughout the day. It'll come back to me as, as I'm interacting with someone and something I read will say, encourage this person or humble yourself. Don't react to this, this person's observation or this input they're giving you. God gives grace to the, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Things like that will come into my mind throughout the day and it pierces my heart. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of my heart. I've shared this before, but a few, a number of years ago, a couple we had spent hours and hours trying to help left our church, and they they uh, persuaded another woman to leave her husband. They had this kind of little cult, and the wife and the other woman would walk by our house numerous times every day, 
and I believe they were cursing us because once Christy said hi to the wife and she said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Another time she's walking past our house with her small children and I said hi to her, real friendly, and she pinched her nose and said, Oh, children, what stinks! This man is defiled! Stay away from him! I just thought, I wanted to say something bad. But the Word of God, you know, pierced my heart at the time. You know, probably thought of something like a gentle answer turns away wrath or something like that. I, uh, by God's grace, I didn't. I, 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 many times I struggled when I'd see these women walking past our house. I wanted to run outside. I wanted to run outside with a camera and video them. And I wanted to nail a sign in my front yard that would say, said, get a life. And I, I had thoughts like, uh, I'm going to go over to their house and spray paint something on it. I mean, I really had these horrible thoughts. But the Lord would convict me and pierce me by, my, by His Word. And I read, I remember reading Luke 6, 27 and 28, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. The Word of God transformed my life. God used that peewee little trial. I know it's nothing compared to what many of you have gone through, but He used that. It was hard for me. He used it and I had to start regularly saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to bless them. Every time I see them, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to pray for them. Love your enemies. And then Christy also had read that Scripture and one day she said, you know, the Bible says do good to those who hate you. I know they don't have much money, why don't we get them an anonymous gift certificate to Giant Eagle? And so we did that and put it in the mail. And it's just out of obedience to the Lord. And I don't know that God changed them at all, but He transformed us by His Word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men. Not not as a self-improvement book. But as what it really is. The Word of God, which is at work in you believers. It is at work. He, He didn't say, I'm grateful... I mean, he was thinking of this. I'm grateful that you accepted the Word of God as it really is and that you were saved. But he didn't say it was done then. He said it is still at work. It is at work in you. The Word of God is at work. It works in our lives. It changes us. It was changing the Thessalonians. Paul says in Romans 12.2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. You know, we are constantly being bombarded by the, the values and messages and the ideals and thoughts of this world constantly. Through media and movies and books, every, every, all the time this world is telling us what we should think. Billboards. And it would conform us to it unless we do this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The way to keep from being conformed to this world is by the transforming power of the Word of God. We renew our minds as we take in God's Word. The world says, look out for number one. The Word of God says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but consider others more important than yourself. The Word word of God transforms our way of thinking. It gives us God's mindset and God's values. This doesn't just happen if you read the Bible one time. It's as we read the Bible, as we take it in day after day, week after week, year after year, our minds are transformed. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Sanctify means set them apart. Make them holy in your truth. Your Word is truth. The Word of God sets us apart for God. The Word of God transforms our mind. The Word of God makes us holy. It transforms us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. We're, we're being transformed more and more to become more and more like Jesus from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Well, let me ask you this. How are we beholding the glory of the Lord? Jesus is not appearing to me in my living room. Jesus does not appear to us here visibly on Sunday morning. So how do we behold God's glory? How do we behold Jesus' beauty? As we read His Word. We behold the beauty of Jesus. We behold the holiness. We we behold Jesus' compassion as we read about Him touching a leper and healing him. We behold Jesus' servant's heart when He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he walked, We behold the, the servant heart of Jesus as we read about Him washing His disciples' feet. We behold the patience of Jesus as He is patient with His disciples while they're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. We behold Jesus' love for outcasts. We And as we behold Jesus' glory in the Word, He changes us and makes each of us more and more like Jesus. So He transforms us. And finally, the Word of God, the power in the Word of God is the power to conquer. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I mentioned this a little bit last week, I believe, but... Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. I'm going to skip a few of 
these uh, parts of the verses, but put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the sword that we take up. And as I mentioned last week, I believe we are no match for the powers arrayed against us. Is there anybody in here you think that you could take on a cosmic power? Any of us think that we could take on a spiritual force of evil in the heavenly places? We would be no match. Our only hope is the armor of God. Actually, all of these pieces of armor are related to God's Word. The belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. The only way we know about the righteousness of Christ is in the Word of God. The shield of faith. We get faith from reading God's Word because it tells us this is what's true about reality. You may feel forsaken, but the, the reality is Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's but Jesus, it's interesting, I thought all of the other pieces of armor are defensive. The only offensive weapon in there is the sword of the Spirit. It's our offense when we're tempted. Jesus, when He was tempted, when Satan tempted Him, he said, if you are the Son of God, Matthew 4, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. Takes his sword out. Jesus takes the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Satan tempts him again. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written He will command His angels concerning you. On their hands they'll bury you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And the third time, I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world if you fall down and worship Me. And Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and serve, and Him only shall you serve. This is how we are to fight the temptations of Satan. Can, can I tell you something? You cannot survive temptations without the Word of God. You've got you to gotta know the Word of God. I mean, de definitely, you don't necessarily need to know the Word of God perfectly memorized or whatever, but Jesus Himself memorized vast portions of Scripture. That's how He was able to pull out the sword. He had it memorized. 
We have to know some Scripture to be able to use it. I can remember once, once uh, in my early days uh, of, as, a, as a believer, I didn't know that I would, was to fight temptation with the Word of God. And I, I thought I was just supposed to say, I rebuke you, lust. Or I rebuke you, fear. And I had, I had a lot of fear. I had lots of temptations. I had a lot of fear because I had watched every horror movie I could growing up every Twilight Zone, every Outer Limits, every Friday Night Chili Billy Cardilly with Chiller Theater, for those of you who remember that. It's just only, only about three of us in here might remember that. Um, I had watched every horror movie I could, and so I had a lot of fear. And so in my early days as a Christian, I would get so frightened at night and get fearful. And I just kept saying, I rebuke fear, I rebuke fear, I rebuke fear. In Jesus' name, I rebuke fear. And the more I rebuked fear, the more fearful I got. Someone, someone said, that's, that's like the elephant in the room. The more, that's like trying, don't, the more you try to not think about it, the more it's going to be there. And so it's like, don't think of the word pink elephant for the next ten seconds. You all just thought of it. The more you try not to, and so he says, you use the Word of God. Begin to praise God that He says in His Word, I will, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers Him. Begin to praise God that... God, I praise You that Your Word says You are above me and below me on my right and on my left. I praise You, Lord, that You said you know, no evil will come near me. And the more I began to praise God, fear, fear left. It's the Word of God. I could have said, it is written, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear You. you we need to use the Word of God. And so, when, you, when the enemy tempts us to be angry with our teenager, or teenager when he tempts you to be angry with your dad, say this, it is written, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's James 1, 19 and 20. Maybe you won't have it perfectly memorized, but if you can remember that the Word of God says, be slow, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. When Satan tempts you to be anxious, it's really good if you can say, it is written, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The other night at our fellowship group, Doug Brown was just sharing with us that Scripture, how he regularly quotes that Scripture, how he has memorized that Scripture, because when he is tempted to be anxious, he quotes that Scripture. And the power of the Word of God takes place in his life. And he experiences the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So I'd encourage you to memorize Scripture. But even if you can't memorize well, even if, even if you're not able to do that well, regularly read the Bible. Regularly take it in. Listen to it. Try to establish some kind of habit. 
try to find some time during the day that works for you when you can spend some time in the Word of God because the Word of God has infinite power. It has the power to save. It has the power to transform. It has the power to conquer sin, defeat the enemy. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for giving us Your Word. We have hope in our lives because of Your Word. Jesus, thank You that Your Word is, is, what, is the means You use to save us. Your Word caused us to be born again. Jesus, thank You. Thank you, that, thank you that we live in this nation, Lord, where we have such access, free access to Your Word, Lord, that we're not persecuted for, for preaching it and having it and sharing it with one another. Lord, I just pray that You would just increase our faith, increase my faith. And remind us when we're tempted to go to Your Word, Lord. We just thank You, Jesus, for Your powerful Word. We love You, Lord. Father, we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.